This is Dumblot, the podcast of dumb crimes and even dumber criminals. Kiss my grits. <laughs> Y'all remember that line? Yeah. What's that from? Um, Alice. Alice, yeah. yes. Sassy waitress. Florence. Flo. Jean Flo Castleberry. On the show, Alice, played by Polly Holiday. Kiss my grit. I don't know why I got stuck in an Alice world today. I didn't know Martin Scorsese directed the movie it's based upon. Um, Alice doesn't live here anymore. It's good. Yeah? It's a good movie, yeah. With Chris Christopherson, Ellen yep. Burson. Chris Christopherson was hot. Yeah. Was that 70s I came out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, so. I think so. My name is Greg. I'm joined by my golfing buddy, Jason. Hello, everybody. And our punk rock sorceress, Maria. Hey, dummies. You guys like grits? Yes. No. No? Yeah, I'm not a grit guy myself either. I I love grits. What I am is a cookie fan. And I'm going through life right now. Is every young girl in the Girl Scouts... Everyone I know who has a daughter is peddling these Girl Scout cookies. You should should see my you see my office. Like it's like every every desk has like it's cookie time, cookie shop, and it's like it's like every third desk has like people are stalking people at lunch. Like this this one lady set up today right in the middle of our lunch line selling cookies. They must have like thirty million members. What are they doing with all that money? That's big money. It's a lot of money, and this is like a more expensive month than Christmas. And I know so many people, you have to spread out the wealth, so you can only buy like two or three boxes from, I have like 10 friends I got to buy. I got to buy like $150 yeah. <laughs> worth of fucking cookies, and I can't even get the cookies I want. You know why? I'm a resourceful guy. I can probably, I can get mushrooms tonight, probably ketamine if I wanted to, um, some Cuban cigars. You know what I can't get are the Samoa cookies. <laughs> The toasted no, coconut caramel ones. Really? No, you can't get them in Philadelphia area because they're made by, hold on, I got to get this right. There's two different bakeries in town. I wrote this down. There's pr- ABC Bakers and Little Brownie Bakers. And the Samoas are baked by Little Brownie Bakers, which services the entire Northeast Corridor, except for like 50 miles around Philadelphia and Boston. And no Girl Scouts have the Samoas. They have the Caramel Delights by the Little Brown. Little brownie bakery. Yeah, they're kind of, they're the same. They are not the same. <laughs> they have way less toasted coconut. Okay. And as a coconut okay. hater, okay. you probably would not notice. I, I will say though, the Samoa is my favorite. Is my favorite Girl Scout cookie. It's delicious. Delicious. Mm. It's delicious. Yeah, you can't get them here. There's an easier time getting a Cuban cigar. I guarantee it. You cannot get a Samoa cookie. It has area. to be the caramel delights that come with less caramel delight. Yeah, less mm. toasted coconut. Interesting. I thought they were carbon copies. Yeah. Nope, they're all a little off. Hmm. Hey, Maria, you got a headline for us? Uh-huh. Extra, extra, read all about it. Extra, extra, read all about it. This week's headline is from KTUL, Tulsa, Oklahoma, February 27th, 2021. Woman linked to crime by Cheeto residue on her teeth. <laughs> What is this crime? There's been some crazy stuff coming out of Oklahoma. <laughs> what is the crime? Um, a family <laughs> called 911 to report someone trying to come into their house through a window. Shortly after the cops arrived, they saw Sharon Carr, quote, coming out of the shadows and arrested her. They found Cheetos and water outside the window, and Sharon had Cheeto dust all over her teeth. <laughs> that is sweet. 
Anyway, Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos are tasty. They are good. They're like blown away now by that. Uh, was it spicy hot Cheetos or spicy Cheetos? Yeah, I do enjoy a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. They're good. I like the regular ones. They're good. Yeah, I don't love the flaming yeah. hot stuff. Yeah. I'm a little flaming hot overloaded. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Hey, uh, I think I speak for all of the country right now when I say we're really looking forward to a good, good case tonight, Maria. All right. Not to put any pressure on you. Yeah, I think we all need it. The yeah. country needs it. The country the does country need it. needs it. <laughs> this story is what happens when a dumbopath tries to distract everyone from other crimes and fails. Sources include a 2021 Netflix series. I'll mention the title at the end of the story. The New York Times... Brigham Young University Library, Murderpedia, yeah. Salt Lake City Tribune, and other outlets. Utah. Mm-hmm. Who do you think we might be talking about in Utah? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I really don't know. I don't know. All right. I'm not. Just a kind a group of people, not a specific oh, person. Oh, uh, sure. So they got um, special underwear. Pants. Yeah, they do. They do have special mm-hmm. underwear. Mark Hoffman and his wife, Dora Lee, are from Salt Lake City, Utah. And yes, of course, they're Mormons. In 1980, Dora Lee is looking through a Bible at home and finds a piece of paper containing Egyptian-looking characters. It turns out to be a document from 1828 by Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. Wow, that's, a, that's huge. It's a, a piece of writing from the gold plates Smith translated into the Book of Mormon, which is the founding document of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Who Saints. found this? Joseph Smith. Uh, Dora Lee. Oh. Mark Hoffman's <clears throat> wife is at home and finds this piece of paper in their Bible. Just in their random Bible? Yep. Leaders of the church confirm it to be the Anthon transcript written by Joseph Smith and never seen before because it was allegedly torn up by an appraiser in the 19th century. The LDS pays Mark $20,000 for the document. Hmm. That was worth so much That sounds much so more. cheap. That was worth so much more. Yeah. The discovery makes Mark an instant Mormon superstar, and he's covered widely in the media. He also finds a letter written by Lucy Max Smith, Joseph Smith's mother. Mark decides to dedicate himself to uncovering more rare documents. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, he's just got I, a, think, I think he might start finding them. Instead of like a metal detector, he's got a rare document <laughs> detector. He just walks around. It detects old paper. Yeah. In 1983, he finds what's called the White Salamander Letter, which states that Joseph Smith was confronted by a talking salamander when he dug up the gold plates. The salamander says that Joseph Smith's brother was the one who was fated to find them and not Joseph Smith. Greg, do you know what the gold plates are? No, I, I don't know. I did not see. So I did not see the, the Book of Mormon. No, that's, it's, they don't really cover the, the Book of Mormon. No, but. Yeah, the gold plates are the founding. Like, yeah. so Joseph Smith was digging, and he and he found these like two gold plates, and he had to put them in a hat, and he could only see what they. Yeah, what they he was were the saying. only one who could read them, and he would just tell this guy what they were saying. <laughs> oh, so they were just plain plates that everyone else saw. No, you couldn't even see them. You couldn't even see the yeah. plates. No, 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 <laughs> no. no, 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 no. He wouldn't show them to you. Oh, yeah, oh. you couldn't see them. You couldn't because you you couldn't see the plates. <laughs> So the talking salamander does not align with what the church says about Joseph Smith. So the talking salamander said Joseph Smith's <laughs> brother was supposed to was supposed to find them, yeah. and not 
<laughs> it must be something his brother saw. Like his brother was like, I was talking to the salamander. There's this just a there's knock a, on the door and the salamander's <laughs> like, listen, you know, the plates are not yours, bro. So the traditional story is that an angel led Joseph Smith to the spot where the gold plates okay. are. He digs them up. He's the only one who can read them. And that's the foundation. He tran- he quote unquote translates them from Egyptian or whatever language is on the, the gold plates. Um, he just happened that. to know that language? Yeah, he just happened. He's the only one who knows the language. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and he was just like yelling it to this dude that was writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so clearly it contradicts the traditional lore of the church and creates a lot of controversy within it. But the document is authenticated and the church decides to pay $40,000 for the document and archives it so it isn't circulating among the Mormon community. You can't, you can't have that, the sect of white salamander <laughs> believers upsetting the whole church. So is this the same document that sold for 20000 No, the first one was 20000 This is a different document. This is a, yeah, this is. Okay. He's, finding, he's finding a whole bunch of them. Okay. We, we're just getting started. <laughs> In his quest to find more documents, Mark acquires original signatures of George Washington, Daniel Boone. Wow, in Utah? Mark Twain, John Hancock, Abraham Lincoln, mm. Paul Revere, and numerous other American historical figures. No Columbus. I'm, I'm, no Columbus. No, I may put some money on the fact that I, I don't know if all these are real. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, I think the things from the 13 we'll colonies showing up in Utah are a little weird. Just he just he just puts his mind to finding artifact like yeah. documents and it starts finding them. It's the law of attraction. Yeah. It's like it's the secret. He just put it out there secret. into the universe and they just come he's flying a, through his he's, window. He's got a vision board of just <laughs> signatures yes. and documents. <laughs> um, he also finds a poem by Emily Dickinson that has never been published. Oh, nice! And then he finds "Oath of a Free Man," the first printed work made in the 1630s in the colonies. Wow. Only 50 copies were known to have been published. He, he, he also found a unicorn. Yeah. He, also, he also found the cross of Christ. He, uh, he, he should he have found two, a casino. He, had, he was awful lucky. He had two leprechaun pets. <laughs> so Mark teams up with a gallerist in New York City who has the work authenticated in 1985. It's worth $1.5 million, and the pair begins negotiations with the Library of Congress for their acquisition. Wait, what is the document that's worth one point? It is Oath of a Free Man, mm. the first printed work made in what was then the colonies. Mm. And he just finds it? Yeah. his brother authenticated where did, where did he? Where did he find it? Do they say where he finds it? Um... I don't know that there's much of a story about where he's finding yeah. these things. He says he works off a lot of tips. Like, <laughs> people just give him tips. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Crime hotline. Crime stoppers? Crime stoppers. It's like famous paper finders. <laughs> just call this number and let us know where you think these papers are. Yeah, 1-800-CRIME. <laughs> 1-800-2-PAPER. <laughs> so, miraculously, Mark keeps finding rare things, like old Mormon money. <laughs> They had their own currency, apparently, when Utah was a territory. So he, he has old Mormon money. This guy's amazing. And a collection of diaries that confirm that Joseph Smith's brother was the one who found the gold plates, not Joseph. They also turns out Joe's, Joseph Smith's brother was Joseph Smith's sister. <laughs> wasn't he? He wasn't even Is a man. Is that true? No. Oh. <laughs> no. I thought there was something else. I didn't no, know there's just crazy. all these things are so crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> like all this stuff that he's just saying. It's nuts. So all told, Mark has uncovered 40 documents related to the LDS church called the McClellan Collection. 
An LDS representative named Steve Christensen offers to buy the collection for $300,000, once again to keep the contradictions to Mormon teachings within its walls. Why the McClellan collection? It is named after an early apostle of uh, the Mormon church. They were like 12 quote-unquote apostles who led the church under Joseph Smith. Okay. Um, so only three hundred grand. Three hundred grand for that collection. I guess it's a small market for stuff like that, but it's still a lot of money. Well, it's the LDS Church buying it back. Yeah. So, on October fifteenth, nineteen eighty-five, a pipe bomb in a package addressed to Steve Christensen, the LDS representative, detonates and kills him in a building in downtown Salt Lake City. Shit. An hour later, another bomb goes off at the home of one of Steve's colleagues, whose wife Kathy Sheets is killed. Kathy's husband, Gary, worked with Steve on purchasing the salamander letter. Mark becomes frightened about his connection to the two victims of the bombings, and he urges his wife and four children to flee their home. Mark's car explodes the next day, and he is severely injured. The car allegedly contained the, Mc- the McClellan collection. And here comes the dumb. So hold on. <clears throat> Let's regroup here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... The two guys, the bombs happen. Mm-hmm. He tells his family to leave. But his car, his car blows up, which, ironically or or whatever, has the whole collection in it. Mm-hmm. And he, okay, does he have insurance on this? That seems a little weird. Just wanted to, just wanted just to one angry yeah. salamander. <laughs> yeah, but if these things are, he's got three hundred grand worth of documents. You're just gonna, you're just gonna leave them in your car. You just leave them in your car. Yeah, yeah. All right, Maria, what were you saying? Sorry. Sorry. That's okay. I said, here comes the dumb. The way the explosive is rigged in Mark's car, it would have detonated if someone was in the car, but Mark was outside the car. This raises some suspicions about his involvement in the bombings. A witness states that that morning he had seen a man in a green letterman's jacket from Olympus High School holding a package addressed to Steve Christensen. Someone else notices that it's a jacket that Mark wears all the time, and a search warrant is executed for Mark's house. They like they like, like a, a green letterman's jacket from a specific high school. They like open up his It's like his profile picture yeah. on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. He's like, captain of the football team can't give up this varsity yeah. jacket. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, they call him like captain still. Um, so they search Mark's home. They don't find any explosives or bomb-making material in his home, but they do find the jacket. After sifting through all the potential evidence they found during the search, they look into a receipt for an engraving plate. Apparently, it's one that Mark had purchased to make Mormon money. They have their own money? They had their own currency when Utah was a territory. And that's some of what he collected when he started turning up every signature for every person living in the United States. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he had some of that too. As if one person finding all these rare documents within a few years isn't enough, the engraving plate indicates that Mark is forging the documents he's famous for. Who is authenticating them? uh, The FBI authenticated some of them. No, originally the the FBI authenticated these fake ones? Yeah. Oh, man. A lot of places authenticated them. What's this guy's background, this guy, Mark? You know, a museum what's your, guy? What's your, what's your authentication process? There's obviously I something, I mean, something wrong. This guy's just banging out <laughs> banging out documents. So they're like, oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, yeah. 
They bring out a little salamander. <laughs> salamander. He licked his. He licked his butt. It's real. <laughs> when forensic examiners dive into Mark's collection of documents, they notice that all of them feature cracked ink, which doesn't happen in documents they place next to Mark's, and. All the documents they used were even older than the ones that than the ones dated by Mark. The first guy that that finds this out that they that they may be maybe fake. Like, what is he? What is he thinking? You think he's just like, uh, no, fuck. Like, like we're guys we're, like enrolling we, in Lincoln Tech for auto mechanic <laughs> school yeah, immediately he, after this because no one's going to hire him for yeah, authentication work. Or he's like the the guy that authorized like to buy them all, and yeah. he just realizes. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I would just be like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instant bankrupt. Instant. Eventually, they find receipts for printing services and plates that confirm that oath of a free man is a forgery. Jesus. Yeah. So, who who all authenticated that poem? That like just some expert. Yeah, they sent them off to like, you know, people who do that, who do examinations of documents and approve them as being real. Like he must have had some kind of technique where he he knew how to do this. But or I mean, something. not actually even like the the paper and stuff, but the the poem itself. Like, did he just make this? Po- did he make this poem? Like, where's what's the poem? It's just he him. Must have made it up. So there's I some mean. Emily Dickinson like. <laughs> expert that was like yeah this is a this is her poem and it's and it's well i don't know if they did that fact checking or if they just said is this a real you know gotcha it just did he make the poem up yeah he must yeah. have yeah. this guy's talented yeah. it's his should, po- why it's would his... he just be a poet if he could create a poem that was good enough that people thought emily dickinson wrote it why would he not just become a poet i would love to know what this poem says i know yeah. i know there's no they should have printed that the documents have also been treated with ammonium hydroxide, which keeps ink from running, and it's common in forgeries. He uses paper from other less rare books from the same periods in which his documents would have been how produced. Are they, how are they catching? They're not testing any of this stuff when they're authenticating it? Well, I think they probably just date the paper. Like, or do they? They probably test the paper to see when it was made, or. Like, if this is. If. If the, these documents could take down your religion with like the white salamander and all this stuff, <laughs> I know. don't you think that you would test it? You would test all of it? Yeah. You would test it so like yeah. stringently yeah. to make sure if it was real or not. And there's. Oh, I know. I know. This podcast not only does it make me like crazy scary about the insanity of people to commit violent, wild, stupid things. But it creates so much doubt in the system. Yeah. Who are yeah. these experts? And like, <laughs> these are all experts. Like, the FBI is authenticating these. And experts are authenticating these frauds. Yeah. Who can you trust? <laughs> no one. So investigators now have a motive for the bombings. Steve Christensen and Gary Sheets, Kathy's husband, are both involved in Mark's negotiations with the Mormon Church for the McClellan Collection. But Mark needs more time to execute the forgeries. When someone took from the church took Christian's place in negotiating the McClellan collection immediately after his death, Mark panics and sets off the third bomb. He's charged with two counts of murder and 23 counts of theft by deception and communications fraud. He bargains for a plea on the murder charges and two counts of theft by deception and is sentenced to five years to life. 
What? Yeah. Five years to life. That's the extent. What that's a like range. A first what? Degree, what? That's the first degree sentence. No less than five years, and it could be your entire life. Yeah, that's, I mean, this is premeditated murder yeah. with a bomb. Yeah. Two. Yeah. So let me go through this. Steve Christensen's trying to get this sale done. He yeah. wants it done now. Yeah. But they're, all the documents are not ready. Yeah. So Hoffman kills him. And then this other person comes in. Yeah, they're like, okay, we'll just replace that position the next day. And, right. that's and then why. that person's like, let's go, Mark. Yeah. We need these documents. Yeah. And he killed them. Yeah. I mean, I think then he just decides he's going to blow up all the documents. Yeah, I think he's he just worried to that cover he was, his ass. Yeah, I think just uh, it was over. It was over. In a letter outlining his crimes, he states, quote, the most important thing in my mind was to keep from being exposed as a fraud in front of my friends and family. When I say this was the most important thing, I mean it literally. I felt like I would take human life or even my own life rather than be exposed. <laughs> rather be a murderer than, yeah. than be a fraud. Than be, yeah, than be exposed for, for yeah. fraud. What? what, what an is idiot. you all talking about with this podcast? <laughs> yeah. people? How does this that make del- sense I mean, to anybody? It's, delu- it's, cra- it's delusional. It's crazy. <laughs> what the fuck? At least he's, at least he's a smart murderer. Is you he? Know? No, no, no. I'm just saying, is that what he's thinking? Like, I, oh, well, maybe. this guy's a historian that finds all this stuff. And, you know, you're can't do fraud and then get all pissed off when people find out you do fraud (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) in the same letter he says he bought the bomb making materials a week or two before the murders and wasn't even sure who the victims would be when he started planning how did he know how to make bombs this guy's talented yeah he is you're right you're right smart dude you're right mark says he began forging coins in high school and by age 25 he made the decision to forge for a living Oh, man. In 1988. <laughs> you sit your parents down and tell them that? <laughs> yeah. Mom, dad. I'm really you know good what? at this. I know that I, yeah, I know that I went to school, you know, as like a, a education major, but I'm a really good forger. Yeah. I'm going to give forging a shot for a year. Yeah. And then if I don't, it's if I don't, yeah, it's if, my I, yeah, if I don't make it, I'll go get a real job. Heading out west. <laughs> I'm going to Utah to forge. <laughs> In 1988, he attempts to die by suicide by taking antidepressants, but all he succeeds in doing is sleeping on his hand long enough that he suffers muscular atrophy and will never be able to forge documents again. What? Was he Rumpelstiltskin sleeping on his hand for like 37 years? All that happened, all he did was get a good night's sleep. (laughs) Yep. He's serving his sentence in the central Utah correctional facility in Gunnison, And Mark Hoffman is still known as one of the greatest forgers in U.S. history, Mm. but he is also terrible at getting away with murder. Mm. Yeah, he had to be the the best. Like, you just pull these Lincoln, these Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln autographs. Like, you're flying a little too close to the sun. Like, it's just like, get one of the lesser signatures. Hey, Julius, Julius Caesar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, if you hit the lottery twice, three times, they're looking at you. This guy's got how many documents? <laughs> oh, I found George Washington. Oh, I found Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I found Ben Franklin. Oh, I found Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, I just before I forget, the Netflix series is called Murder Among the Mormons. Mm. Okay. So, does he have, he lost function of his hand? Mm-hmm. Walks around with just a dead hand? He mm-hmm. slapped well, people he, with a dead hand? Not, yeah, I mean... I don't know if it's totally dead like that. Because he slept on it so long? Yeah, he slept on it for 12 hours. <laughs> How big <Yeah>. was he? <laughs> oh, he's actually a big man now. I don't know if that oh. happened when he was 
I mean, I've he slept was only on in prison a year I mean, at I've that point. Sl- yeah, I've slept on my hand before for a long time. Know, yeah, at least I know. Twelve hours, and I don't have. I don't have no atrophy. Yeah. yeah. So the dumb. Dumb is you do it once and you get away. Just chill the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. the re- the receipts. Le- you yeah, know, the rece- leaving, leaving receipts. Like printing plate receipts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this, he just uh, he he was yeah he was just like one of those guys that seemed like in, like an intelligent dude, but dumb with uh, your high school jacket. Yeah. Oh yeah, high school <laughs> jacket. I forgot about the jacket. <laughs> yeah, just greed. You know, if he just chill, he just thought he was the smartest guy in the room. But come on, yeah, and he wasn't—he wasn't making a this ton Emily of money. Dickinson yeah, thing that, is unbelievable. I mean, the Emily Dickinson thing was like over a million. He oh, should have just chilled with that. Yeah, and somebody then he starts, said that that was like, real. Not only yeah. is it authentically aged, but the poet, the writing sounds like her. <laughs> and then once they found out that these were all fake, they were like, they one was fake. They were like, oh, they're all fake. Like yeah. I don't. Well, Where's yeah. that? Who's that expert? We need to know. Were they a, a, a university Emily Dickinson expert? They should be fired. Yeah. I don't yeah. call for the firing of many people, but you're come on. <laughs> you're right though yeah. about the experts. I didn't even think about that. It's like terrible. It's, it's a flawed system if it's I just mean, somebody like I'm a little, a I'm a little concerned on Pawn Stars when I see some of these experts come in. This <laughs> <laughs> stuff is crazy. All right, before we get to everyone's favorite part of the show, get to know Maria. Jason, tell people where they can find us. You can find us anywhere you get your social media at TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and always please um, like, share, and um, rate our podcast. We really appreciate it. I'll pass it back to Greg for everyone's favorite segment. All right, so this one comes in from a listener from Ames, Iowa, Jessica. And she says, it's a little long-winded question. She says, every other guy on dating apps has photos with their shirts off. She wants to know if Maria, it's a two-part question, if Maria's a fan of these guys with shirts off on dating apps and if she has advice for, advice for guys on dating apps. There's so many things I could say. I, I don't know. I don't really care if they have their shirt off in their dating profile, but if, they're, if it's a weird picture of them, I don't know. It depends. Depends on the photo. So you're open to a shirt off profile yeah. picture. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And any advice for guys in general when they're putting their profiles together? Don't talk about all the stuff you don't want. I noticed that on almost everybody's like, I don't want mm. drama. Mm. I don't want this. I don't want that. But you don't know anything about them at all. Good advice. Yeah, I think Listen so. To <laughs> Listen yeah. to it. All right. My name is Greg. I'm Jason. I'm Maria. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. See you, everybody. Bye, dummies. <laughs>